is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Anant Das, and we cover a little bit of everything from his early inspirations of Bollywood films through positivity, his connections and community, and Broadway boxed up, and so much more. So I hope you enjoy this part one with Anant Das. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me in person, this is the third in-person guest I've had since COVID, Anant. Anant, thank you for joining the show today. I am so honored to be here. Thank you for having me. We we come together by way of a number of people, which is so awesome about the theater community. I have a lot of questions from investing to producing to Broadway boxed up, current shows, past shows. Before we get to any of that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time for you. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? That's such a great question. You know, I grew up loving Bollywood films, you know, seeing people singing, dancing, talking uh, on stage, uh, on film. And, you know, I really wanted to be an actor for a really long time. And I think I fell in love with musical theater through that. And I saw the TV show Smash. And that was an education for me. I'm like, oh, people do this in real life? Yeah. Like Bollywood films on stage? What? And that was, you know, the 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 call for me. And I knew then... I wanted to be, I think, behind the table in those studios, seeing people perform and being involved in the industry in some way. What was your, I mean, this is, might be a long story. What was your, what was your connection to Broadway? What was your, what got you up, up and in? Yeah, I think a lot of, to this neck of the woods, <laughs> people have a similar story doing, you know, middle school theater, high school sure. theater, things like that. And then I performed in an acapella show choir for four years, um, high school and a little bit in college. And singing show tunes, acapella, very glee, very pitch perfect, sure. kind of combination. And I, I loved it. It was great. I loved performing. And that was kind of how I got interested in the more performing side and arranging music. And I think that was my creative muscle being flexed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But eventually I realized I think the business side of theater was what I was really more interested in. Mm-hmm. And what was the um, what was the defining moment for you with business? Was there a conversation or a meeting or a... You know, moment. You, everyone says business out of theater. What does that mean? And I used to ask that question to everyone I would see, especially in college. You know, I had a program that I took part in called Broadway Talks Back. My university ran. We brought down Broadway actors to the University of Virginia. Mm. And they just had talkbacks and master classes. And I would ask every actor that came down, you know, I'm interested in the business out of theater. What does that mean? Mm. And no one really had a good answer. <laughs> No one really, you know, people said stage management, company management. I heard those things. I was like, I don't know if that's really right for me. And I, I studied finance and computer science. And, you know, I moved to New York City after college, started living in New York, going to shows all the time. And then COVID happened. And everyone was on this app called Clubhouse. Oh, Clubhouse. Clubhouse. And I just kind of kept putting it out there in the world. You know, I'm interested in this business side of theater. And I realized producing is the blend of finance and theater. And mm. that's my background entirely, performing mm. and finance. I and I was that. like, oh, this makes sense. This is where I think my skills could really shine. Mm. What did your, turn switching gears here, what did your parents teach you about work ethic? You know, it wasn't ever explicitly said about work ethic. I feel like it was always implied that, you know, you're putting 110%. I think we'd always go out of our way to make events happen, to organize things. You know, if my parents could help me in any way that they could, whether it meant even driving me to school every day, if I asked for it, if that would save me more time, allow me to do more work, they would. So I think seeing that example of always going the extra mile, Hmm. I think was really instilled in me to do anything. You have to go 110% without Mm -hmm. a doubt. Mm 
Mm. Same question, but with kindness. What did they teach you about kindness? I think kindness has always been ingrained. You know, we came to this country as immigrants. I've been in this country my entire life, but, you know, I wasn't born here. And so I think moving to this new area where my family didn't know anyone, Mm. I think the first step was always lead every conversation with kindness because you're meeting people for the first time and you don't know what they've been through. You don't know what their background is and that's how you're going to build a connection. And I think that's really, no matter what I do, it's always just leading with kindness, giving people benefit of the doubt, uh, expecting the best from people. Mm. I think that's always been my mindset. Yeah. I know that's the best part about it. It's free. It's free to Absolutely. get and to give. I, I couldn't agree more. And it just comes from a general well, quality self-awareness with happiness. I mean, that's a great oh, yeah. trifecta, especially when you're in the entrepreneurial side of things or business, you know, startups. It's like you have to stay positive. Absolutely. You know, I always try to look at things with the best positivity in mind from the best angle, even the worst situations. You know, sometimes I reframe them in a positive way. And it's not that I don't acknowledge bad things happen. Mm-hmm. But for me, you know, there's a silver lining everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I try to grasp at that and look at that and make sure I realize that, you know, everything can be a learning lesson. Everything can be an education. Mm. Um, Every opportunity and every person has something good to bring. Yeah. And I'm a true believer in that. Yeah. You can learn something from everyone. Absolutely. That when I realized that people are your best resource, that was like, that was the, the, you know, mind opening. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, I learned that. Every day I'm reminded of that, you know, even people back in middle school and high school where maybe we didn't get along so well, it's been 10 years, Mm. we've reconnected Mm. and we found ways to be mutually beneficial to each other. That if you told me when I'm 14, when I was 14, that I would be collaborating with this person 10, 15 years later, I would have been like, no way we don't get along, (laughs) but you know, that's, you know, high school drama, whatever back then, but like keeping kindness in mind and not alienating others and Mm. thinking the best of others. You know, you're really, you don't know what partnerships could come down the line. You don't know how your worlds are going to collide. You know, the New York theater world, entrepreneurship world, very, very small. Mm -hmm. And you will cross paths with these people again and again throughout your life. And it gets smaller and smaller (laughs) with each meeting. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot tell you how many times I've met someone. They're like, oh, that's my client for something. Oh, I'm the agent for this person who did this show with you. And you're working with, it happens all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. Do you have any mentors? And any standout pieces of advice or lessons learned from any particular mentors? Yeah. You know, I think the best piece of advice recently um, has come from a mentor and that, you know, self-worth comes from within. And I think that's a great thing to apply in business situations because there's a lot of imposter syndrome in every industry. Yes. (laughs) So much imposter syndrome. It's like, wait, you know, you're here for a reason. You're more than capable. And you have to believe that yourself. You know, confidence comes from within. And I think realizing as I've gotten older that people when I was younger who were older than me, they didn't know more than me. They were just confident about it. And they believed in their Mm self-worth. And so realizing that and walking around with some confidence and believing in your own self-worth, I think is so important. It is. Yes, it really is because so many of us want to create new things, but yet you have to go outside your comfort zone. I mean, you're not going to know how to do it. Otherwise you would be, you know, working in a factory and there's nothing wrong with absolutely repetitive movement, but 
if you want to do something that's never been done before, you have to act in a way that's never been acted before. Exactly. And that comes from, you have to not, you won't know what you're doing. And it's so easy looking from the outside to think everyone knows what they're doing or knew what they were doing sure. back then. Yeah. But truly no one did. Yeah. Everyone is just figuring it out as they go. And I think once you realize that you're like, Oh, I'm on the right path. I'm doing things right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you will make mistakes, but that's, Hopefully you're working with people that are not going to take advantage of that. Exactly. You know? Exactly. You can, you can ask questions and learn. That's good. No, I'm glad we're documenting this. Really <laughs> is there along? I guess along that vein, is there a particular project that has taught you the most about yourself or a significant amount about yourself? I think being involved with starting my own Broadway related business. Mm. I've learned so much through creating Broadway Boxed Up mm -hmm. the past two and a half years. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the idea came to me May 2020. The pandemic just ended and I thought, you know, what can I do to bring theater to the homes of fans? And then social justice protests of summer 2020 started. I was like, oh, maybe I can have a social justice element to it and really educate fans about diversity and inclusion and the things I care about too. Mm -hmm. And I'm such a risk averse person. Hmm. Or definitely was way more back then. And, you know, just investing a little bit of money in an idea that I had total control over was so frightening to me. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to waste startup money. I was so frightened about that. And to be able to take that risk and believing in myself and doing it, hmm. not only has it paid back financially, but it's realized like, oh, you know, I need to believe in myself. I need to mm. take risks like this. You know, I'm at the perfect age to do so. I have the skills. I have the network. I shouldn't be shy to invest in myself, especially in ideas that I have. Sure. When it's so easy for me to throw money at someone else's ideas that I think are really great. Yeah. Yeah. Opening those floodgates, basically. I mean, once you do it once or twice, then it's like, okay. Easy. Piece <laughs> of cake. Yeah. Don't even think twice. You're like, yeah, this seems great. Check side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But it's it's a lot easier to get to yes for yourself. You know, you still have your your you know key performance indicators. Right. And you're looking at the numbers and everything. But the the threshold for getting over that line to say absolutely yeah, okay, I'll invest. What did that look like the early days? I mean, early days. We're talking like two years ago. Two which is yeah, not that long ago. Summer 2020. I have a Google spreadsheet. Um, called it Boxed Up Broadway. That's what I thought the name would be for a while until I switched it to Broadway Boxed Up. But yeah. honestly, I came up with the name first. It just hit me. Yeah. Um, and it was just the idea of what what is a subscription box and what would go in it um, that fans would resonate with. And, you know, I love designing merchandise and I love ordering merchandise and working with community partners. And it felt like merchandise was the right way. And I was like, oh, maybe I could start getting virtual events in there and interview actors, maybe do an Instagram live, sure. um, maybe write little articles on postcards about different theater nonprofits and organizations and teach people about what's out there. Cause you know, I know living in New York, I'm in such a bubble. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I wasn't in New York, I didn't know anything mm -hmm. that was going on in New York. And right. so keeping that in my mind, like what would people outside of the New York community want to know about theater mm. or would like to know that they don't even know exist. So it's kind of coming up with that mm -hmm. and figuring out how do I put this in a box and ship it out each month. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I look back now at our first box, October 2020. I'm like, wow, I can't believe I sold that. You know, it, you look, it just felt so – we do it so much better now yeah. that, you know, it's really funny to look back. But, you know, it just took, you know, again, believing myself and just, you know, signing the check, buying yeah. the thing, taking that risk. Yeah. And that's what it took and figuring out, you know, what do I know about theater? I'm like, oh, I know this show. I know that show. I know this person. 
I know people would like to learn more about stage management. So let me include something about that in there and just kind of using my best judgment. Yeah. What, and humor me for a second, because when I think of merchandise, I think of dealing with people in other countries on the other side of the globe to create an item. How, what is that balance for you in terms of building those relationships, maintaining them, but also that versus getting, just having stuff created here in the States. I don't know if there's, Anything that comes to mind. Yeah, it's it's so interesting from a from a manufacturing perspective. It's can be very tricky to find a lot of things that are actually manufactured in the US. Yeah. A lot of US based companies, they're either getting manufactured goods from elsewhere and printing them in the US, sure. doing whatever printer embroidery in the US. Or I realize a lot of times I've worked with US based companies and I'm getting things ordered or like shipped to me from around the world. They're just the intermediary. They're so it's like, <laughs> so I realized, wait, why don't I just cut the intermediary sure. and build these relationships with people in Europe, in Asia yeah. and in the U S who create the goods. I think for Broadway boxed up, what's so unique is our items. Some of them are things you might see in a typical Broadway show, but some are completely unique. Like what we've done, uh, gold plated coins, gold plated medallions. Um, we've done little acrylic stands that, you know, People bought them as cake toppers. People put them on bookshelves, just little like pictures that stand up on a piece of plastic. Oh, yeah. um, sure. We've done more typical things like embroidered aprons. Um, we do like your magnets, keychains, things like that. But each one I try to do differently. You go metal magnet, a rubber magnet, an acrylic magnet. Sure. Um, everything's always try to be a little bit different, a little bit unique. And I think what's really cool is I've been able to see what Broadway fans all over the world respond to really well from a show perspective and a merchandise perspective. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, I, I put in the box what I think is going to work really well, mm-hmm. but I get to see what they actually resonate with and what they want. And like, I have all this great data about, you know, what do Broadway fans actually want to purchase? Mm. And it's almost like I have this think tank built in that I know like, Oh, these items did really well. Oh, they love the Michael in the bathroom embroidered hand towel. Let me make more of those and sell those and take that to Broadway con or something and things like that. That's so smart. Because the mind for me and maybe anyone listening stops at enamel pins. Right. Yeah. And oh, enamel pins are very popular. Mugs Don't get me wrong. Glasses. Don't get me wrong. T-shirts. <laughs> They're very popular. Sure. Very, very popular. But there's so much more to that. And I think what kind of item and what kind of design could be a marketing tool and how do you engage with fans? You want them to look at that every day. How yes. do you want them to use it? Like it's, it's a marketing tool. It's a brand engagement tool that I think a lot of people don't think about or care about, especially in Broadway, given the current model. Mm-hmm. And I understand it. You know, Broadway shows only get a small percentage of merchandise because uh, all the merchandise is typically the cost is fronted by the merchandise company. So mm-hmm. they're bearing all the risk. Mm-hmm. So they get most of the profits. Mm-hmm. But, you know, merchandise companies, because they're bearing all the risk, they often don't do unsafe products in terms of they don't take risks in the type of products they do. They play it safe. They know what they think will sell. Sure. Sure. That's what they do. Whereas I have the advantage with the subscription box that, that, you know, I'm putting four to seven items in a box. I can test things out and I'll never put a bad quality item, but I can do sure. something a little more, you know, I've done a snack cup inspired by Sunday in the park with George, except it was Sunday, like ice cream Sunday. Oh, that's funny. And it was a totally wild, fun idea. And one of our most popular items, people loved it. 
but you know if Sunday in the Park with George production came on Broadway or whatever theater yeah. that'd be a big risk to be ordering hundreds of units or of thousands that. of that yeah <laughs> and so I'm kind of this incubator built in and I can get the data of like what was popular what wasn't and yeah. try these creative designs and these mixed mashup inspired designs and things like that which is really cool that I think a lot of merchandise companies don't have the benefit or privilege to be able to find out yeah do you dabble in the any music aspect of it or is that fully uh cornered market by like the record producers in terms of printing records 45s if anyone knows what those are <laughs> and cds you know what i mean yeah i've looked into partnering with some of especially like the broadway um album companies i sure. guess for lack of a better term yeah um figuring out you know some of those relationships didn't pan out or you know covid was ending things got busy again with recording but i yeah. think there is a world especially with cast recording releases and album releases specialized boxes you know, you're getting a vinyl, you're getting a CD, you're getting some merchandise related to that, whatever the album or vinyl is. I think it could be a whole experience for people. Yeah, it could. That I think we're uniquely positioned to help create at an affordable rate yeah. that people would respond to really well. And so that's something I, I would love to get more into these specialized boxes for whatever industry related matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's a fascinating aspect because it's, there's merchandise at every show. Absolutely. But it's all been done the same in a sense. A lot of it, it's also just a logo slapped on something. Yeah. You know, I think some companies are getting more creative nowadays, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, and it's always, you know, it makes me happy when like I had an idea and someone else does that idea too, like for the official show. And some of these ideas are very basic. A take me out baseball. I don't rate on my parade umbrella. Sure. But like, I'm like, okay, great. We're sure. thinking about in the same line of like what could be successful. Yeah. But a lot of things are also just the logo on a magnet. Yeah. Your typical square magnet, you know, a typical pin with the logo, a t-shirt with the, the key art on it, Yeah, which is great and it sells, but sometimes it's also playing it safe. And I think people want things that are more exciting. Hmm. 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 Yeah. We're coming back. We're going to come back to um, playing it safe and taking risks. Uh, do you have, do you have any daily rituals? Anything you do on the daily morning routines or? Start my day with a warm cup of water. Yeah. Every day. Without it, that first thing I do when I get up. No coffee? No coffee. More than a cup of water, without a doubt. Um, to me, it's something I've been doing for years. Uh, you know, wakes me up, but I don't want to shock my system. And to me, it's a it's a way to slow down. I think it's really easy in the morning to like rush out and do whatever. But you know, sitting down, drinking a warm cup of water, water, waiting for it to heat, it gives yeah. like a few minutes to like truly wake up. Sure. And to me, that's super important. Do you? Um how long before you hop on the phone and start checking emails? You know what? Actually, I don't open emails right away. I oftentimes look Good at my calendar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I look at my calendar cause I'm like, Oh, I hope I don't have a meeting I'm forgetting about or something. Like, sure. let me make sure I don't have to be anywhere. So my calendar is the first thing I do. Okay. Yeah. I'd say, at least a good 10 minutes before the emails probably, or at okay. least the notifications seeing, but like, you know, if I know I have no place to be, or no Zoom meeting or something to go to, mm. I know the emails can wait. Sure. To me, the emails aren't as important. I just want to make sure I'm present for whatever I have to be at. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Do you have any text you refer to often or journaling? Or is there any? Henry Cavill. Um, he was rec it went viral recently. He had a, someone forwarded him a list of like 50 quotes, affirmations, like things to keep in mind for life. And I've just been reading them every single day. Um, and it's been great. I don't agree with all of them. Sure. Sure. 
but it's just been res- every something different resonates with me every day, and he reads them every day, and I was like, maybe I'll read them mm. every day too. I'll see what's up with this. Um, mm. And you know, it's, you know, some basic things like, you know, don't get into arguments essentially, yeah, or get, be grateful. And I think yeah. especially the being grateful, like trying to be more grateful. I used to do like thank you lists, mm. try to beat the three things I'm thankful for every day. Um, I haven't done that as regularly. I want to get back into it. Mm. Um, I think that's really important for me. Um, but you know, getting back into journaling, thank you list, they're all things I've done that have really worked for me. Yeah. And I think just finding that consistent routine to do it. You've been listening to entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow entertainment X on Instagram at underscore entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet go to Apple podcasts and subscribe rate and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on entertainment X. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.